Hi, everyone. Welcome to the season five finale of They Had Fun. I'm Rachel, and I am back with another amazing story about New York City. That's right. We're already at the end of season five. I can't believe how fast this has gone by. This is already going to be our 12th episode in this season. And of course, as I told you last week, we have some stuff coming up for the sixth season that I am very excited about. In particular, let me remind you that we will be back on March 6th for the sixth season. Oh my God. I didn't even realize it until this moment. I swear to God, I did not realize until this moment. I was looking at the calendar before I was doing this intro and I was like, okay, should we do February 28th, March? Okay, let's just start the beginning of the month. And just as I let out that alliteration, I was like, oh my God, sixth season, March 6th. Wow. That is something right there. And also ridiculous that I didn't notice. I seriously promise I had no idea when I planned that. But isn't that so serendipitous? So we will be back on March 6th for the sixth season. We are going to have the theme of all people who have moved here in the last two years. If you know anyone, please send them to me. I'm lining up interviews now. I would love to hear from any of you if you are obsessed with New York City. I was only going to do one little thing in the intro for this week because I just thought, let's get it out there. Let's get going. And of course, that was going to be a Rachel's wreck. But then I decided I really wanted to tell you guys about this, I don't know, stupid or interesting thing I did this week. So I documented all of this on our They Had Fun Instagram and people went absolutely bonkers over it. People were like, what is wrong with you? So I was like, okay, I got to talk about this in the intro to the podcast because the feedback was just so wild. Okay. I decide I was going out of town this weekend. Hard to believe I leave New York. I know, but I was going out of town for the weekend and I decided that, you know, I had time. It was a middle of the day flight. I was like, okay, I'll just take mass transit to LaGuardia. So for reference, the drive from my house to LaGuardia is maybe 20 minutes. The bus is like an hour and 10. And I was like, okay, I'll just give myself extra time. I can just sit on the bus and do whatever I need to do. Doesn't matter. Planned out my route. I walk all the way to my first bus, which is already like a 10 minute walk, which is ridiculous. It's freezing outside. I've got a suitcase with me. I walk to go get on my first bus. I'm like, coasting. It arrives two minutes early. I'm like, this is working out great. I get on that first bus. We're going. No one's really stopping anywhere. So we're just like way ahead of schedule. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like this is totally going to work out in my favor. I get to my stop about 20 minutes in again, 15 minutes ahead of schedule. I'm like, great. I can wait for the next bus. Good to go. I'm in the middle of like Corona ish at this point. And I get off and I text the MTA for my next stop to see how long the wait for the next bus is. For reference, when I researched this, they said that one comes every seven minutes. So I'm thinking like, even if I got here early, I might have to wait like 10 minutes. I text the MTA. The wait is 47 minutes. And I was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, there's no way this is real. So I keep texting it, keep saying the same thing. 46, 47 minutes, something like that. I go onto the MTA app to look where the bus is. 46, 47 minutes. I'm like, oh my God. How? Like I plotted this all out. I had all the time. This really speaks to the tragedy that is getting to the New York City airports on public transit, but that's a whole conversation for another day. Anyways, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? First thought is, okay, I'll call a car, even though that's exactly what I wanted to avoid. And I look and the Uber is the exact same price as it was from my house. And then I was just like, okay, there's no way I can do this. That makes me feel so defeated that I just wasted all this time on the first bus and I paid for my first bus fare. And I'm just going to sit here and pay for the exact same car price when I've like gotten so much closer. So I was getting really fuming about that. And when I looked on Google Maps to see how far it was to the airport, it said that I could walk there in 50 minutes. And I'm like, that is so 
close in New York brain. I don't know if you're listening to this outside of New York, that sounds like a lot, but in New York, like 50 minutes, anyone would do that. I'm like, okay, wait, I am so much closer than I thought I was. And as I'm doing this, I'm like kind of walking with my bag to like go past the bus stop. And this is, this is where I make a decision. I walk and I see a city bike dock and I'm like, okay, like 50 minutes on foot has got to be like 10 minutes on a bike. And as we know on the show, I am obsessed with city bike and biking in New York City, maybe a little too much compared to most people. So I look and they have an electric bike. And then I'm like, okay, Rachel, are you going to do this? I look at the Google map and it says it's like a 12 minute bike ride. And I'm like, that is so doable. It's a straight shot up Junction Boulevard. There is a dock right outside of LaGuardia. And I don't know, just my personality. I was like, all right, fine. And I, I but like when I'm putting this all on stories, people are like, what are you doing? You are crazy. Like, blah, blah, blah. So I, I take my suitcase. That was everyone's biggest question. What happened to the suitcase? Well, I strapped it on the front of the city bike, little basket. It, I had like a small carry on. So it worked out. And off I went up Junction Boulevard. Now, very importantly, this was an electric city bike, so it made this a lot easier. But I like wrapped the strap around it and, and I just kept biking. The worst part was is it was really cold and like my hands were cold. But besides that, it was seriously so easy. I ride it all the way up Junction Boulevard. I basically hit like no red lights. There wasn't a lot of traffic. There's a bunch of docks at the one by LaGuardia. I pull my bike up and I dock it and I'm like, okay, here I am. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, people are going to think that I am so ridiculous that I just city biked to an airport, but I did it. So the dock is like eight minutes on foot to the airport. You like cross the street. There's all these signs like pedestrian crossing, bike path this way, like other people are doing this, like, or at least they want people to do it. I don't know. I cross over and I enter the airport on foot and I have probably 40 minutes to an hour to kill before I was boarding my flight. That is how easily it worked out. And I texted my husband when I got to the airport. I was like, I have to tell you something and I don't think you're going to like it. He was like, what does that mean? I was like, let's just say this. I'm a like unlocked a new level of New Yorker that I never thought of before I city bike to the airport. He was like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? But honestly, I would do it again. I was kind of wishing that I got on sooner. Like it wasn't hard. The electric bike helped a lot. My bag fit on the front. I, I know I looked so ridiculous biking down Junction Boulevard with a suitcase on a city bike, but I don't know. It all worked out. And I and as I was doing it, I, I had no plan to bike to get on the city bike, but I had started documenting like, oh, I'm going to take two buses, you know, like to the airport and putting it up on the stories. And then it totally this whole plan for me to show all of that completely diverted into all of this. I didn't know that was going to happen, but I like took pictures every time I got somewhere and put them in the stories and people were freaking out. Several people were like, what is wrong with you? But there are so many people who are like, you're my hero. This is incredible. Like we should all try this. Just how did you do it? Just all sorts of things. In the end, it wound up being so worth it. Might not be for everyone, but worked for me. Got there early, cost me in total $2.90 because I paid for the bus, but it really wasn't that bad. So that is the crazy person you listen to week in and week out on this podcast. She is the lady who city bikes 
to LaGuardia Airport. That's it, guys. I had to tell you that story. And because it was so long and such a huge part of the intro, I'm sorry it never goes this long. This is the first time you're listening to this podcast. It's not usually like this. I'm only going to give you one Rachel's Wreck this week. Normally, we would have two. And of course, what do you think it's going to be? It is our season five finale party tonight. I am so excited. It's going to be so fun. It's at the Flower Shop on Eldridge. It is 107 Eldridge, in case you have a hard time finding it. We will be down in the basement, this bar down there. It's so cool. Very like retro 70s vibe. The party starts at six o'clock. It's supposed to end around nine, but who knows? Maybe we'll just keep going all night. It's a bar after all. Maybe we'll go out for dinner afterwards. And if you show up and you hear this and I've never met you before, I guarantee you, I will invite you to come out to dinner. That is just my style. If you want to find any more information on this, you can find it on our Instagram at theyhadfun.nyc but we will be at Flower Shop on Eldred Street tonight. There will be giveaways. There will be past guests. But most importantly, number one, there is going to be free booze. So that's right. The guest of our show today is supplying free booze for all you They Had Fun listeners out there. There, of course, will be a regular just cash bar. You can get anything you want. There'll be little snacks out, but they will be supplying Mother's Milk. Now, this is the cocktail. You've heard me talk about it before. I genuinely enjoy this cocktail, but most importantly to me, the founder is a born and raised New Yorker, and she happens to just be my guest today of the season five finale. So let's get going and get talking to her. She is, of course, a native New Yorker. She is, of course, the co-founder of Mother's Milk, the ready-to-drink cocktails. Please welcome to the show, Jennifer Roman Matito. Hey, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Of course. Thank you so much for being on. As we said in your intro, you are one of the co-founders of one of the coolest RTDs in New York City right now. And listen, not only does it taste good and all these things we can talk about, but one of the reasons that I find it to be the coolest is because you as a native New Yorker founded it. You sell it here. You guys work here. The company is based here. That's what makes it so cool to me. But let's talk to you as the co-founder as why you think Mother's Milk is so great. Why you decided to start at everything. Please tell me. Yes. So me and my business partner, Christy Kish, she is also a native New Yorker. Hell yes. Uh, We basically just realized that there was definitely a gap in the marketplace where we couldn't find what we were looking for. And so we took our homemade remedy cocktail and brought it to the market. Instead of drinking and chugging the coconut water the next morning or chasing all of our shots with the coconut water, uh, (laughs) why can't we just mix it all together? And so one day in particular, my business partner muddled a little bit of shiso, which is basically the Japanese version of mint, poured some coconut water, some vodka, garnished it with some mint, served it to me. And I said, hey, babe, honestly, this was amazing. We should can and sell this. And the next words out of her mouth was, we'll call it mother's milk. We really were tired of, you know, feeling miserable the next day. And we realized that naturally occurring in coconut water is electrolytes, vitamins, antioxidants, hydration. And so why not pump you jam-packed with these electrolytes and hydration while we're getting you boozy AF? (laughs) Uh, So we created Mother's Milk for the Wellness Conscious Drinker. We are all natural flavoring, no added sugar, no added preservatives, vegan, gluten-free, and as low-cal as possible without sacrificing the delicious taste. First of all, what a pitch. <laughs> that was great. I was <laughs> like, wow, just write that down. That was perfect. Can you get me one of those for everything that I do? Second, let me tell you, you've landed on the right audience on this show, <laughs> I feel like, because... um. 
people who listen to this show like to have fun, myself included. And I think they would love to know a little something about something that can facilitate that fun, but not cause them to be in disrepair the next day. So I think that's like one of the best selling points uh, besides the fact that it's New York City based and we love all that is that it is already sort of while you're imbibing, giving you those things that are maybe going to set you up for success the next day. And I think that's what I could be really interested in. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're trying to do now. We're actually currently at Aster Wine. Yes. Phenomenal. Aster OG wine store in New York City. I love Aster so much. I truly get like my monthly wine deliveries from them. So I'll have to add mother's milk to the next one. Please. Uh, We refer to them actually as a legendary influencer wine and liquor shop because they are extremely selective about all of the products that they carry. So they picked us up uh, shortly after our launch. You can also pick us up at a few different bars in Lower East Side in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, we've only been really in the marketplace for the last couple of months and we've got some big, big, big plans for 2024. So, so yeah, go shop some mother's milk. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited to hear that it's so available throughout New York City. I mean, you know, sometimes we have people on who like are promoting books or maybe some things they're working on. I love it's like, this is us having some drinks and you can pick it up in many places throughout New York City. You can get out of a bar. I know that I am kind of being like a hype woman (laughs) for you here with this, but that is what I'm supposed to do as a host of this show. So now that we know that this is a New York based company, that these are two New York City native founders. These are exciting things to me. Let's get into some of our questions that are specifically based around New York City for the podcast, because I'm so excited to talk to you about your history in this town. So let's get started with the first one. And that is, of course, when did you move to New York? Uh, So I never actually moved to New York. I was born and raised here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have done my preschool, my elementary school, my middle school, my high school, and my undergraduate education all in the island of Manhattan, which is absolutely insane. (laughs) This is like, wow, I'm feeling so honored right now. I'm feeling very privileged. I get very excited anytime I have someone who is born and raised in New York City on the show. It's a big win for me. So let's talk a bit about your childhood here. If you feel comfortable, can you tell us what neighborhood you grew up in, where you were born? I mean, anything you want to tell us. And this is the kind of the questions I always ask is like growing up, did you always wish you lived somewhere else? Were you aware of how lucky you were to be here? Go ahead. Tell me. I was born and raised in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Wow. The way the Lower East Side of Manhattan looks today is a very different neighborhood than I grew up in. That's for sure. Yeah. But my parents still live in the Lower East Side. My dad still lives on Broom Street. My mom still lives down Grand Street. They are still local in the area. I still live um, very close by in the East Village. So still a downtown girl for life. I'll say that. (laughs) Growing up was, you know, I knew nothing else. Mm -hmm. So it's all just always felt so normal. I was riding the subway at 11, 12 years old, right? Oh my gosh. And I was taking my little school Metro card and we were going to Coney Island when our parents (laughs) didn't know about it. And, you know, we were sneaking out to Dumbo to hang out by the water. And I spent my summers in the West Village at Carmine Street Park. We spent so much time going to Carmine Street Pool and, you know, just like running around the West village. You know, it was definitely the picture perfect New York City childhood. You are just giving me so much like 
jealousy right now. I mean, listen, I had a great childhood. I'm not complaining, but this having this insatiable love that I have for New York City, thinking about that of that childhood, it just sounds so different. And I love to hear like, listen, we all know the shit of New York City. And I'm sure there was a lot of bad stuff that happened and maybe a lot of fearful things. But I love to hear you saying like, generally, it was a idyllic childhood and I loved it and I'm still here and I'm not leaving. And it's exactly why I wanted to have you on the show, because you can just tell the real love you have for New York City and just thinking about you being 11 or 12 and bopping around and going to all of those things. It's just, okay, I'll stop going on and on about that. We can, we can move <laughs> to the second question because you've answered that fully and I love everything you said. Why did you move to New York? And so always when we have these native New Yorkers or whatever, we get into the depth a little bit of maybe whatever you feel comfortable talking about. Why did you stay? Why did you stay in New York for college? What are the things that have kept you here and not leaving? So both of my parents are actually, and their parents are from the island of Puerto Rico, but all of us are from the island of Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my father grew up in Spanish Harlem, and then he actually moved down to the Lower East Side when he was in his late teens, early 20s. And my mom actually grew up a part of her childhood in Queens and then a part of her childhood in the Bronx. And when my parents started dating and got serious, um, my mom, my dad basically convinced my mom to move to the Lower East Side with her. A very different Lower East Side. It was actually affordable back then. <laughs> That's where they've kind of raised our family. And really all of our roots are stationed here in New York City. And I just truly couldn't imagine myself being anywhere else, my family being anywhere else, and raising my future children anywhere else. Ooh, ooh, you got us on the future children. <laughs> you got me on that one. I mean, it's generational. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said before, I mean, you could feel the love that's here. I mean, kind of just knowing that all of the work that your family put in, it's very easy for people to leave once they have kids. And I'm glad that they stayed. I'm glad that you stayed. I'm glad that you plan on staying. I mean, it is, it's in your DNA. It's who you are. The answer as to why did you move to New York is there's no other way. That's it. Literally no other way. And I'd love to also answer the piece about my education and why I decided yes really really important which is something I actually stress all the time to anyone that's going to college or looking to go to college in the near future is that New York City affords you a free college education truly a free college education I'm a graduate of CUNY Hunter and I applied for the TAP tuition assistance program. I applied for FAFSA, which is a federally sponsored uh, tuition assistance program. And those two, which you are both legally obliged to have as a native New Yorker or as just a New York resident, um, covered my tuition in full. So I loved the fact that I was doing my education in New York City. And guess what? Zero, zero debt. Truly, that's one of the main reasons why I chose to stay in New York City is that it just allowed me the opportunity to go to an amazing educational institution and I don't got to pay for it. Jennifer, you're giving me <laughs> goosebumps right now. Just the way you're talking is so passionate. And besides that, I mean, you're just dropping like knowledge gems for everyone. I didn't even know that. I mean, obviously, I'm not from here. I didn't go to college here. But like, I didn't know that. 
And you're so fucking smart to think to do that and to stay. And there's like the way you're wording it. Like, I hope people are hearing this and are like, I'm going to send my kids to go to these schools and I'm going to fill out these forms and I'm going to apply for all these things. It's super, super impressive and motivational. I love you saying that. Not only is it your family, not only is it the people that you love here, not only is it the love you have for the city. And frankly, in a New York hustle way, figure it out how to get my schooling. And like, I got to be and learn from all these great people I love in the city. It's really fascinating and motivational. So I think we can learn very much so just from the beginning part of this conversation that you are ride or die New York City, that you have the credentials to prove it. (laughs) So I need to ask you the most important question of the show. That is, of course, Jennifer, what is the most fun you've ever had in New York City? There's one really just epic, iconic night coming to mind, and it all oh, starts juicy. at Santos Party House. Oh, my God. It's not around anymore. Uh, a lot of nightclubs in New York City come and go, but Santos Party House was a scene. Yes. Right? It was mm-hmm. in downtown Manhattan, and we would go on Friday nights because Q-Tip used to DJ on Friday nights and it was the hip hop night and we were regulars on the Friday night. And this one Friday night in particular, you know, a few of my friends were hanging out there and so they hit me up to come through to Santos party night house tonight. It's going to be a wild one. Cool. Give me like a year ish or how old are you? What are we talking? So I'm about 23 ish years old prime prime somewhere between 23 24 and that's important to mention because at this age you think you know everything and really you don't know a goddamn thing about life straight the (laughs) fuck up uh so I think I knew everything I was you know out in these streets yes hanging out and I get there and the energy is absolutely insane so for anyone that's ever been to Santos Party House, when you walk in on the main floor, it's this big open dance floor. And then there's this big stage. There's also this backstage like lounge area that was just so gritty and so grimy. It was so New York City. And so we're hanging out. I'm with a couple of friends and Q-tips DJing. And then all of a sudden, no exaggeration, LMFAO come on stage. And that band. Yes, that the, yeah, the dudes. Yes. I don't even know if they were a yeah. band. The dudes, right? LMFAO. <laughs> yeah. And this is really when they first were coming out on the scene. And they come out and they just start like performing. And I don't even know what they're doing on stage, but it's like chaos. And like the stage is filled with people. And also I went backstage and I'm like in this lounge space area that my friend dragged me into and it's packed with people and Drake's in there. Quick sidebar here. This was around when Drake had just dropped his mixtape. Oh, you said Drake. Drake, the rapper. I thought you said there were drinks in there. No, no. Drake, Drake, the rapper, is in the backstage lounge. Oh, my God. Now, people didn't really know him like this at the time. And a couple weeks before this night or something of the sort, one of my really good friends were out at this bar and Drake is hitting on her. Oh, my God. And he is like really trying to kick game to her. And she goes, wait, I know you from somewhere. You're Jimmy from Degrassi. <laughs> and she's like, you're Jimmy. And we ha- everybody has a good laugh about it. And he goes, nah, I'm a rapper. I'm going to be a rapper. You're going to see. And did he show us, honey? Yeah. <laughs> he dropped that mixtape and it was absolutely bonkers. It took over my life for a little bit. So 
let me take this back for a moment. We are in Santos Party House. LMFAO's on stage. Drake is in the back lounge area doing I don't know what. I walk over to the bar and Kid Cudi is hanging out at the bar, hanging out with some of my friends. What is going on? And this is when Day and Night, his first real single was like popping. It like took off, right? So all this stuff is going on. I am like drinking. I'm not on a lot of drugs like most people in that room were. And all of a sudden, like LMFA starts like, dragging girls up on stage right and it starts to get real 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 raunchy and there's like girls like taking their tops off and there's titties out and I'm like what is happening and they're twerking and they're throwing water all over them or whatever they're throwing all over them and then all of a sudden I'm you know a couple cocktails in and I start hearing LMFAO on stage and they're chanting no joke. Someone's going to get F tonight. Someone's going to get F tonight. It's so raunchy. I can't even say it. Right. And I have a potty mouth, but that's how disturbed I was. I am about it. So somebody's going to get F tonight. And immediately I'm like, what is going on here? This is such chaos. It was so intense that like, I don't know what came over me, but I kind of just got overwhelmed with the energy. And I was like, I need to go. Like it just suddenly felt a little unsafe all of a sudden. Like all my spidey senses started going up and I was like, I don't know, maybe it's time to get out of here. So it must've been already three o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh. And I hit up my other friends. I'm finding out where they're at. And one of my best friends who's still one of my best friends in the whole world, me and her used to work at this little bar lounge on corner of Clinton and Rivington in the Lower East Side called Fat Hippo. Obviously not there anymore. It hasn't been there in years. And so she's like, I'm wrapping up my shift. I'll be out soon. Let's meet at Red Velvet. So Red Velvet was actually another small bar lounge place that was actually right around the corner from Fat Hippo. My friend was a bartender there. So I'm like, cool, meet you at Red Velvet. I get to Red Velvet, my homie's bartending, a bunch of my other friends are there. We're having a few more drinks. My friend from Fat Hippo walks in and it's like kind of like time to shut down the bar, but we're like not ready to go home. We're mid-rage, right? We are mid-rage. My friend's just clocking out. He wants to drink. My other friend's clocking out. She wants to drink. We're like, all right, so like, what do we do? What's the after hour spot? Where are we going? And so my friend goes, we can go back to Fat Hippo. Meanwhile, I work at Fat Hippo, right? And I'm like, let's go back to Fat Hippo. (laughs) So we get ourselves together. We walk down the block. We literally unlock the gate that she had just locked probably 15 minutes ago. Lift up the gate, slide all under the gate, shut the (laughs) gate down, walk through the door, lock the door behind us. We hook up our phones and we're blasting music. When I tell you, like, eight of us raged in Fat Hippo in our own nightclub. We had the lights going, the music blasting. Oh, my god! We were literally standing on the bar, hanging from the pipes, pouring (laughs) shots. I had, like, liquor all over my face and hair the next morning was disgusting. We just, like, (laughs) raged for, like, two hours, like in the bar that we work at after hours when it was closed on their dime, right? And (laughs) we gave zero fucks. Again, everyone was on a lot of drugs this evening. I (laughs) um, did not partake. I was just getting drunk this particular evening. Sure, 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 sure. And we just like had the best time 
ever. Like truly, it's all a blur, honestly. Like I have flashbacks and images of me like swinging my legs up, trying to grab this pipe on the ceiling while somebody is simultaneously trying to pour a shot in my mouth. And then at some point in time, somebody's like, we got more. Oh yeah. And i like, at some point in time, somebody's like, well, we're hungry. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah. The natural, yes. The natural progression of a New York city evening. We're hungry. At some point, somebody was like, what time it is? And we're like, it's literally like seven 30 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the porters come at like 8 AM to prepare <gasps> for the next day, which was like Saturday brunch. Right. So immediately we're like, shit, we got to get the fuck out of here. So we start cleaning up. We're wasted trying to clean up as much as we can. We like threw everything in the dishwasher, threw everything in the garbage, literally snuck out under the gate, locked the gate. Oh, epic. and we're like, okay, where, where are we going now? We stumbled our asses over to Remedy Diner, which is located on Houston. I can't even remember if it's still there today, but it was, I think it, I think it is. I I'm, think I'm it pretty is. Pretty sure it's still there. It was our 24 hours, seven day a week diner spot. And it was our go-to <sighs> late night whenever we would bounce around the LES. And I don't know, I think I like shoved a cheeseburger in my mouth <laughs> for breakfast, literally for breakfast. And I think I like stumbled into my house at like, I don't know, like 10 o'clock in the morning that day. It was absolutely insane. And you know what? Quickly, I'm sure somebody out there is going to say, oh, you like broke into this bar and you were like trespassing and you were like drinking all their liquor. Well, how about this? They started to go under and they didn't pay me the money that they owed us. They took our tips and literally disappeared and never gave us some of our money. So you know what? Fuck you, fat hippo. You still to this day owe me money and you paid me in alcohol. So whatever. Okay. <laughs> Maybe like a break for a second. <laughs> I'm just like, listen, the whole story is like so great, but you're just like making me laugh so hard. <laughs> Sign off about fuck fat hippo. Okay. I have to try and be like the host of the show for a second <laughs> where I, I wrap this up and say something. Um, it is just so, first of all, absolutely perfect, quintessential early twenties. Every single element, like you said, it's like a three-parter. I mean, it's like a four-parter maybe, but like I have so many thoughts and yeah, I'm with you. Fat Hippo, I don't even care like if they didn't pay you. Sometimes you gotta do things in your early 20s that are mistakes. And you, <laughs> it's and then it turned out in the long run to not be a mistake. I love you going to Santos. No one has talked about that on the show yet. You got celebrity after celebrity, even though they're like at the time we don't know it, but they've become it. I don't know how at age 23 or 24, you had the like forethought to be like, I need to get out of this room right now because I would have been the person who's like, I should go on stage, but you were like smart enough to be like, let me get out of here. It's one of the skill sets that I think being a native New Yorker, you learn very early on when you're on the subway, when you're out in public, there's like this intuition, this spidey sense. And when shit is off, it's off. Trust that gut feeling 
and get the fuck out of there. This is also another great bit of knowledge for everyone listening. If you feel like it's off, get out of there. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Get the fuck out of there. I feel like I've gained that maybe a little bit now, but at 23, God, no, I did not have that. So, and then, but I love it. It's like, that's the perfect follow through as a 23 year old is like, I know I need to get out of here, but I know I need to keep partying. Yeah. 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 Like the part, I just need to get of this. The night is not over. There is more to do here. That is also some like New York gumption there to sneak back into that place. That is like, that's, uh, that's something. But anyways, for the sake of the story, it's great. And I love it. This is one for the record books. I absolutely love this one. And truly, it's so you. Like having known you just for a little bit now and getting to know you more and more, this story is so you. It's so fun. It's so classic New York. I'm telling you, I know for a fact because people contact me after these episodes and they're like, oh my God, I've had a night like this. Or they hear it and they are so motivated to be like, I got to go out tonight. I got to go out because I'm telling you, that's how I feel. I'm sitting here hearing this story, having the best time. My cheeks are hurting. And I'm like, in my mind, thinking like, should I text Jennifer and see if she wants to like meet up to What are we doing like- tomorrow night? Let's go somewhere. <laughs> It is like the peak of New York City fun. Everyone go out and do something like this. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Just don't get caught. Just don't get caught. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's neither here nor there. Okay. Now I have to move us on to our very last question of the show. Let's see what we're going to get from you as someone who has so much tremendous love for New York City in your veins. What is your favorite thing about New York? Wow. I mean, New York is just always giving inclusivity, right? Mm -hmm. And truly... I just always have felt that there is a place for everyone in New York City. Whatever you're into, whatever your hobbies are, whatever your belief system is, even if it's really wonky and batshit, there is a community. There is a place. There is a safe space for you in New York City. There's a place for everyone here. And that's got to by far be what makes New York City just the most special place ever. Wow. That was that was a good one. That was a good one. Inclusivity. I mean, it's New Yorkers have so much heart inside of them and you like it's radiating from you. And yeah, I really think there are so many people who feel that and feel so welcomed and so okay and the ability to be themselves. And I'm so happy to hear that as someone who has this deep, deep love, that is what you love the most. It's absolutely poetic and lovely. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the show, for telling that truly, like really, truly epic (laughs) story. I loved hearing it. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And everyone go follow at Drink Mother's Milk on Instagram. Pretty please. <laughs> Are you in the hustling New Yorker if you're not promoting your own shit at the end of a side off? You've got to slip it in somewhere. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Most of all, thanks, New York. They had fun. That cheeseburger from Emily Diner was really fucking good, though. <laughs> 